Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Am Not Okay with Day. I am your host, Day. And today we are joined by a special guest, someone that I am very, very excited to be here on the podcast, Heather Thompson Day. Yay! (laughs) Heather, if you guys are not aware, is an interdenominational speaker. She is an author. She's a contributor to Religion Newsweek Service, Christianity Today, Newsweek, and the Barnett Group. She is a professor of communication at Andrews University. She is the host of Viral Jesus, one of my favorite podcasts. And she runs an online community called I'm That Wife. She is a wife. She is a mother. And she's here joining us to talk about one of my favorite books, y'all. It's not your turn. And so I'm very, very excited. Welcome, Heather, to the podcast. It is an absolute honor to be here with you. I appreciate that so much. So when I first reached out to you, I told you that your book was literally attacking me because I felt like I was going through a time where I really needed to hear those words, but I also really needed to hear those words. And so it's one of those things where it's hard, but it's also Mm. so necessary. And I was thinking about talking about waiting. So my podcast is called I Am Not Okay because I went through a divorce two years ago and I was Mm -hmm. having a really hard time with going through the emotions, just like healing. I was in therapy. My therapist was telling me, why are you so resistant to like your feelings? And all of that came crashing down. One day I woke up um, and I was in this like half sleep, half awake state. And I felt the Lord talking to me, telling me, you are not okay. And you need Mm. to talk about it. And that's kind of the birth of this podcast. So I've kind of started it as, you know, me healing, talking about the journey, not being on the other side, but like talking about the things as I'm going through it. And so a few months ago, I kind of entered into this waiting period. And I was thinking about the podcast and I was like, I need to talk about this, but I don't know what to do or like how to approach this because I'm in the heart of this. I don't have the answer. And so I was thinking about who I could talk to. And my friend had recommended your book to me Mm. last year, actually. And as soon as like stuff started happening in my life, I picked it up and I started reading it. And I mean, I mean, I, I cried. Like there was the chapter about surrender. I started bawling Mm. and I thought, you know, I, you're the perfect person to talk about this with, but you know, you're kind of a lot bigger than I am. So I was like, I don't know if she'd be able to do it. But then one day, again, I felt the Lord saying, just send the message, see what happens. I did. Thankfully, you responded. And so I'm so happy that we can talk about this because this is still relevant for me. I think I'm mm. I'm still going through it. And so yeah. I would love to um, hear, you know, from someone who's been through it kind of come out on the other side, you know, your experience. So I guess the first thing I really want to know is what was the inspiration behind It's Not Your Turn? Yeah. So I talk about this in chapter one. I just want to say though, too, I don't, so I think the perception is that you're going to get to another side. Mm -hmm. And I think there is like, all that happens is life keeps changing, mm-hmm. right? The season absolutely changes, but also as far as whatever our perception of the other side is, mm-hmm. I just want to mm-hmm. say the goalposts will keep moving. Mm. Thank you for saying that, because I think that was kind of my problem in the very beginning is like, you think I'm going to get healed one day. And mm. so then you kind of go through life with this expectation of like what that's going to look like. And then it yes. never happens and you get disappointed. So I really appreciate you clarifying that. because I think that's really important, not just for me to hear right now, but I think for a lot of people listening. And healing is a process. Yes. Right. So there are going to be good days And then there are going to be bad days. And that doesn't mean that you are not further in the process, Mm -hmm. right? So I just think that that's, I think it's very important as kind of the backdrop to this conversation that we're going to have to give ourselves permission to be wherever we are. Yeah. Because it's not going to be a linear process where now I'm here, all that happens 
let's just say, um, if, if the prayer for somebody is, I just, I just got to get out of this apartment and I need to get into a house. That's mm-hmm. it. I just, I, that's all. I just want my own house. I need to own my own house. And I'm working so hard toward that goal. Well, then you get the house. Right. And I'm telling you what eventually will happen. A, you have to clean it. Right. So that's one thing, but then also like, you'll start looking at the neighbor's houses and now what happens is your perception of the neighborhood starts to change Mm -hmm. your perception of how your house that you once at one time were just dreaming. If I could just get the house, that's all that matters. But now I'm looking at all the neighbors and I'm looking at how much bigger their house. And do people think my house is the smallest house in this block? What are people, Mm. that's all often that happens. And so I just want to say as a backdrop to people, to whatever it is that you're waiting on. I don't know outside of like a deep, for me, it has truly been like a deep surrender to God of like, it doesn't, may I not dream dreams that are different from your dreams Mm -hmm. for me. That's kind of where you're going to get your semblance from. I can, at this point in my life, I can sit and I'm in a season right now where I'm waiting on some things and I can wait in a different mentality than I did. Even when I wrote, it's not your turn because the difference I think now is I'm okay with no. Mm. Wow. I'm okay with it. Cause I don't want the last thing I ever want is to be in a space that God didn't actually call me to for me personally. Now this might not be true for everybody. And I think the majority of people will force their way into whatever space they want to be in that God didn't necessarily call them into, but I'm going to make a way for myself. I just don't want that. So Lord, if, and this is the prayer that I often pray, if, if that's not what you have for me, then please change my heart that I can accept it and allow my heart. This is what I pray almost every day. Please allow me to be still soft toward you, toward myself and toward other people in this season that I'm in. I just want to keep my heart from hardening from these experiences. Okay. So that's the backdrop. Um, I wrote the book because I had been applying for jobs and I could not get one. I could not get a full-time job in academia to save my life. Um, I applied literally, I don't even know how many applications I sent out. I, I think I had a couple interviews, but no offers. And I felt like I had done everything right in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I thought my understanding was if you do the right things and I behave in the right way, the Lord, of course, is going to open the right doors. Well, it was shocking to me to realize that that wasn't happening. And at the exact same time, one of my best friends in the entire world, her name is Jewel Jewel Jones, um, who had not made all those same right choices, got this dream job. She called me one day and she said, Heather, you're not going to believe it. And I said, what? She said, I just got hired by NASA. And I was like, wow. Yay. Yay, you. <laughs> Yay, you. And, and, and I was sincerely happy for her. I absolutely adore her. She deserves it. She's an amazing person. But I also immediately felt sad for myself. And I had to learn how to sit in the juxtaposition position of those two emotions. I can be happy for somebody else while being sad for myself. Don't let this sadness for yourself override what this person needs from you in this moment. And I just remember it was like the first time this would have been probably in 2013 or 14. And it was the Mm -hmm. first time I just heard the Holy spirit say, it's not your turn. Mm -hmm. I can still see myself. I was standing in the driveway. I'm on the phone with her and I heard it's not your turn, but it's hers. Mm. So clap. You clap for her and you be just because it's not your turn right now. doesn't mean it won't ever be, but it's not right now. It's hers. Give her this moment. And so that just became this phrase that I started repeating to myself over and over as I went through various rejections. And for me, it was book publishing and academia. That was the phrase that I kept saying, it's not your turn right now. And that's okay, but it's this person's, how do I show up for them? Wow. I really love what you were saying earlier about doing all the right things, you know, because mm. I feel like I was in that exact same place. Like I did X, Y, Z. And I think this is a myth. You know, this is one of those things we believe, like if you just do all the right things and everything will work out as they should, as they should, right? Yeah. As they need to. I was in that exact same predicament of I did everything right. I got married. I bought a house. I got this amazing job. And now, um, 
everything is crumbling down. And yes, like you see everybody succeeding in their marriages in my case. And you think, why? Like, what have I done to like yeah. deserve this? And to hear you say it's not your turn. There's such a negative connotation with that. I yeah. think it's not your turn. Like if someone tells me it's not my turn, I'm not going to be like, okay, like I'm going to protest that. How did you come to this place of like, okay, like acceptance almost like it's not my turn. For me, it actually was a positive statement. Mm. So for me, it was really like, it's not your turn yet. Yet. I, I never thought it's not your turn ever. I just had to say to myself in this moment, in this season, it's just not your turn. And that's okay. It is not ever going to be somebody's perpetual turn. That's not life. Mm -hmm. A really great book I just read is Wintering by Catherine May. And she talks about this idea of wintering as like a metaphor for depression. And Mm -hmm. she says, life is never a perpetual summer, just like the earth is not ever perpetual summer. You go through seasons and it's actually really good for the soil. There are actually germs and insects and things that have to be killed Mm. in the coldest of winter. And so how do we stop resisting the season that we're in? What happens when I stop being sad? about being sad. You just are. You just are. You just are. (laughs) And when I stopped resisting my seasons, that's when all of a sudden I just came into this new space. Not that you love it, but it's like, it's winter. So what do you do in the winter? You get a book and you don't go out that much. And you curl up on the couch more and I drink more tea. I take care of myself more because, oh my gosh, it's winter. How do we just stop trying to wear a bathing suit outside? It's winter, right? How do we start just... We know this is never going to last. It will keep changing. Yeah. Yeah, you know... I think the problem that a lot of us have in the waiting season is this idea that it will never happen because I think I felt that myself when I hear it's not your turn. What I hear is it's not your turn and it's never going to be your turn. Right. I don't hear it's Mm -hmm, not your mm -hmm. turn yet. And so I think that's the struggle sometimes is that when you can't see it right in front of you or, you know, even in like the short distance, you start thinking, well, I guess it's just never going to happen for me. You know, day, can I tell you what you have to have? You have to have other people with you. Mm. You have to have a community. It doesn't have to be, I'm, I'm against like, you have to have a tribe. I don't think you need a tribe. You need two to three people. And one can be mom. You need two to three people who see a future for you that you can't see for yourself. Mm-hmm. I am t- telling you in, in the book, I talk about my relationship with my friend Vimbo. Yeah. She has always been my spiritual person that sees the, and she believes it. she's not like just gassing me up. She believes it. And she was able to see things in my life that I could not see for myself because I only saw my circumstances. My husband has this great analogy about faith. And he says, faith is literally like putting on binoculars so Mm -hmm. that you can see what is actually in the distance as if it's right here. Mm -hmm. And so people will look at you saying, why are you living this way? That it's not even here right now, but it's like, you're wearing binoculars. No, I see that, which is in the distance as if it were right here. And I just have to say that to myself, put your binoculars on right now and look at the situation. But that is, I think it is very difficult to do that alone. It becomes much more sustainable when you have other people looking at you saying, I don't think you're going to be in this situation forever. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, when I pray about it, when I look at you, when I, 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 God, I have felt the Holy spirit tell me this is going to change. And man, I love the idea of believing things for other people. It's what sustained me. Yeah, actually. So I'm a therapist actually. Okay. And I tell that to my clients all the time. You don't have the Mm. hope. I'll put the hope on the shelf for you. Right. And so that's something too, that I 
I talked, I do with my best friends as well. And so I love just the idea of not doing this thing alone because yes. that's the thing about waiting too, is that yes. you feel like you're waiting alone. Yes. And everybody's moving ahead and everybody's like, you know, and it's just you. And that's not the case. We, we should fight to make it not the case. Yeah. And some of that is having the vulnerability to let other people know how hard this is. Cause sometimes people, and of course we all know this when I'm going through my own stuff, I am the worst friend to other people because all I see is me. Right. It it takes a conscious person to step outside of that. Right. So that's, we have to be able to be vulnerable to tell our friends who maybe aren't consciously stepping outside of that. Mm-hmm. These are some of the things I'm, I'm hoping to get out of this relationship right now. I need yeah. somebody to see this for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Coming back to the idea of waiting, what do you think are some of the challenges that even like our generation, you talk a lot about being a millennial, which I thoroughly relate to. What are some of the challenges that um, we're facing today just with waiting, the idea of waiting? Yeah. So here's the big one. I really truly believe who you are when it's not your turn is actually more important than who you will be when it is. It is not hard for me and it doesn't Mm -hmm. take character and it doesn't take integrity for me to turn my podcast button on anymore. When I know I'm going to have thousands of downloads, it's not hard. What was hard was turning the podcast button on when I didn't know if a hundred people were going to listen that took character yeah, and it took integrity and God was actually shaping something in me back then. Right. And so I am concerned as a person of faith about a generation that is unwilling to wait Mm. because the most important things that are happening in our character, I promise you are happening in that space. Your life doesn't start at some metaphorical there, right? Life truly does start right now right here. And I, I can remember the moment that I had this shift in my life where I just started saying, I'm going to start doing things. I'm just going to, I'm not at an Ivy league school. I don't have a book deal. I don't have a pot. I don't have any of the things that I thought I would have, but I'm going to start teaching the class that I do have. I'm going to be faithful with what's in my hand. I'm going to teach that class as if it's the most important thing I'm ever going to do in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I mentally just before I stepped in the room, I would always say, God, I'm going to choose to believe that you've called me to this. And Mm. it's incredibly important. And then what happened, my circumstances didn't change, but my life, like I changed. And what's weird is that as I changed and I started dealing with each circumstance differently, it did start to change the situation around me. It wasn't immediate. It was little by little, by little, by little. So what I would say to somebody who's waiting right now is you have to start paying attention to the little wins. If you keep looking for you, is it Steve Jobs that said, we underestimate what we can do. We underestimate what we can do in 10 years and overestimate what we will do in one. Mm. Stop looking for a one-year goal. Right. What let's look at 10 years. What little changes do I have to make to be in a different space in 10 years? You would start to realize that those little things actually really matter. Right. And they can make a huge difference when we're looking 10 years down the line. How do we change the way? I think I say that in the book, right? Don't I talk about the long game? How do we change the way that we look at our own lives? And as I started to believe every, I'm just telling you before I get on this call, I always Mm -hmm. have a conversation with myself where I say, this is good morning, America. (laughs) I do. You are going to get on this podcast and you are going to have this conversation as if it's the most important thing, Heather, you will ever do in your entire life, because this is what God has actually placed in your hand. Mm -hmm. And once I started living my life that way, I changed, but also I was realizing I actually had an impact. When I taught classes with five students, but I treated them as if it was the most important thing I was ever going to do, it actually, like, it seemed like it really mattered to them. I started getting all these cards. It's going to make me cry. Like I have, 
I started to realize that these little things in our lives really, truly matter to other people. If you can get out of yourself and start saying, how can I make a difference around me? I had purpose in my exact same job and circumstance and situation. And once I'm just telling you, once you start to realize how much you actually matter mm-hmm. with what God has already placed in your hand, you'll, you, you can't go back. I can't yeah. just phone it in anymore because I don't know what I'm missing. You see what I'm saying? I've now yeah. discovered that it did make a difference and I can't go back because it would be an, un, it would be unfaithful. I would be, I would have like squabbled what God had placed in my hand, which actually could have mattered for somebody else's eternity. I can't risk that wow. anymore. Wow. Wow. <laughs> this is making me think actually, um, I, I got a recent, um, invitation to speak somewhere to, at a college to do like, um, they had this mental health Abbey hour. Yes. And when I got that call, my initial reaction is no, what am I going to talk about? I don't know anything. I've been in this profession now for six years. I've been a therapist for six years and I'm like, I don't know anything. I can't, what am I doing? Like, and I, you know, my, my head is like, all the self-doubt, right? And my friends kind of going back to that is like, what? Like you are amazing. Do this. This is a great opportunity. You just never know what's going to open this door. Yes. Yes. And I did it. And I remember, you know, having a similar conversation with myself of like, you know what, I'm going to go in there, do the best that I can do. Um, and God's going to work. And I remember going in, I did the presentation and yeah, like it wasn't, you know, a hundreds of people there, but the people that were mm-hmm. there were coming up to me and like, everybody was like, I need you to be my therapist. What's your car? Like it was all these different things. Right. And I was like, wow, you know, this idea of changing the perspective of what yeah. you're doing and making it super important, even when there's doubt from self, like taking yourself away from it. And I think that's yeah. kind of been the the theme in my life recently too, where there has been a lot of like down because of self and all the things so that are valid. But again, like when you take yourself out of it and you can be fully present for someone else, I mean, like mm. in my darkest moments, personally, I have clients telling me, you're the best therapist I've ever had. I've never thought about this this way. And, you know, my immediate thought is I'm like, I suck. Like I'm horrible right now. Right. I, I can barely, but I, I I intentionally try to be present when I do this. And it's something that has been effective. And so I love that point of like intentionality of every single action that you're doing and knowing that it's actually not about you all the time, you know, cause I agree. Like that is when the impact is so great. One of my favorite quotes is Martin Luther King Jr. And he was doing a graduation speech to a group of high school seniors during the civil rights movement. So the world is not their oyster mm. opportunity is not, what do you say to a class where opportunity is not opening right. itself up to them? And he says, if all you do when you leave here is be a street sweeper, then I want you to sweep those streets with so much passion and so much intention and so much integrity that all of heaven has to stop mm-hmm. and say, oh my God, look at the street sweeper. Wow. I want to live my life like that. And remember, if nobody sees you, Christian, have and sees you mm. and how much more, again, it does not take integrity for Taylor Swift to get on the stage at the Eras tour where there's thousands of people who are already there to clear, cheer for her. Right. It absolutely takes a person of character to show up in the schoolroom, classroom, kindergarten class for 30 rambunctious kids. And maybe nobody's ever going to say thank you. That's integrity. Mm. And how do we start living in a life of integrity between us and heaven and us and ourselves? Mm -hmm. That's what's become very important to me. 
Yeah. I'm actually remembering something you wrote in the book too. I think you were talking about a woman. I think her name is Takiana, is it? Cassiana. Cassiana. Tassi, okay. yeah. Yes. And you were talking about how she is also very intentional about all the people that she meets, right? And actually I was talking about this with my best friend the other day. Um, and she was saying to me, like, isn't that exhausting where you know, like you are so aware of every single thing, every person that you're coming across and, you know, you have to kind of like, is it like a being on thing or, and I'm just thinking about this idea too of intentionality, as far as every single thing that we do, making every small, big action, something so important. Like, what do you say to someone who thinks that that might be a really like exhausting task? It is. I would say, yes, it absolutely is. I would also say different seasons will, will allow for different phases of you. So mm. something my therapist says to me is, is this good enough for where you are right now? And that for me is very relieving, right? Yeah. It's not about always being perfect. It's about being true to who you are and how are you showing up in that space with whatever reserves i have how do i do the best i can with the reserves i have right mm -hmm. now yeah yeah I, I i think it is exhausting i think life is exhausting and so i'm i'm way more i will say i have been way more intentional now about i don't even like the word self care but about mm -hmm. my rest I am way more intentional now as just as intentional as I am about my work. I'm incredibly intentional about my rest. I will, I, I schedule my calendar. I feel like, did I talk about this in the book? Don't let other people schedule your calendar. Mm -hmm. I will block out time in my calendar because if somebody comes into my office unexpected and says, are you free on the 11th? And I see that there's nothing there. I'll just, I'll be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But if I look at my calendar and it has a block there that says rest, I'm like, oh, actually, no, the 11th doesn't work. I already have something. Mm -hmm. It's a rest for myself. But that intentionality is the only way you can survive it. Mm -hmm. Be intentional with your rest. Be, what fills you up? What does give you energy right. so that I can use? I'll have more energy for the people around me. Mm -hmm. Pour in, pour out. Pour in. Yes. Yeah. That's really good. I love that because that's very practical too. You know, I think you, you've been posting too a lot on your social media, just about the Christian journey too, and how tiring like that can be as well, which I really yeah. love the real picture you're painting. But I think there is again, like this false belief that, oh, like if you do this, then it's going to be like this. You follow Jesus, you have faith. Faith is going to be this like amazing thing <laughs> when it's really hard a lot yeah. of times, you know, and you know, even for me, like um, in the past couple of months, I lost my job and, oh. you know, I started a new job. It was really slow and I can't pay my bills. And there's, you know, there's these yeah. like practical things that are happening that I'm like, you know, how are we going to do this? But, but God continuously works and he shows us that it's okay. Like I already had it handled, you know? And so I just love the way that you paint that picture of what faith, what, what, you know, walking with Christ really looks like and knowing that it's something that takes work on both ends. You can't just, um, work, 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 and then think that, that that's enough, you know? But I think when, when we think about the Christian journey, there's a lot of like selflessness that happens. So it feels like pouring in, sometimes that can feel wrong. You know what I mean? Mm. This idea of pouring into yourself when you're supposed to be giving. So, but I think what you're saying here is it's equally as important as pouring out. So I think it's actually that is the only way. Mm. I, I don't want to pour out in a way that makes me resentful. Mm. I don't even know. I, I struggle to think that that's Christian. I Which, think there's a lot of angry, unhappy Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to say that's pretty uh, contrary. It's kind of like the same idea of like, oh, um, I'm fasting and I'm making up my face and I'm like angry so that everybody can. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like I want to pour out out of my bounty, mm -hmm. not my lack. And, and so some of that is the intentional parts of rest. And I just want to say this too about finances because, because I've, I've so been there. And I, again, I think it's something we don't talk about enough and I don't mind talking about it. Uh, I actually opened the book by talking about my card getting declined yes, on paper plates. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, yeah. I used to, I used to think that if God was going to show up for me, 
It was mm-hmm. going to be in a check in my mailbox with no return address, just a mysterious, mm. somebody just, somehow money from the heavens just drops. I love this guy. <laughs> and that's the, that's God's way of showing up for me. And yeah. what I have found is it often is my humility and saying to my sister or to my mom or to my best friend, I'm short $200. Mm-hmm. Do you think you can help me this month? Yep. And do you want to know what? Like they've helped me. Is that not yeah. God? Is that not God meeting my need? I just think we keep as Christians trying to make it just this relationship between us and God that it was never the covenant. The mm-hmm. covenant was always relationship with God, relationship with each other. That's the 10 commandments. First four, love God. Last six, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery or love each other, love mm-hmm. each other, love each other, love each other. Your relationship with God is only as strong as your relationship with fellow man. Mm-hmm. that's always been the covenant, but we don't, I think anymore. And it's not our fault. I think it's our culture. Everything yeah. around us is like, do it on your own. Pick, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You right. figure this out. That's not the Christian invitation. That may be like the capitalistic invitation. That is not the Christian invitation. It is that we are to journey together, care, literally carry one another's burdens. And in doing mm-hmm. so you fulfill the law of God. Yeah. I have a little um, secret to tell you. I read that part in your book in a time when I was very financially struggling. Mm. And I um, had parents who were willing to help. And I was like, I don't want to ask them. I don't. Yeah. And but I did. But what you wrote gave me um, the freedom to be okay with that. I was always going to have to do it because I literally could not survive without it. Yeah. But it shifted the way I saw that, like the way that I view asking for help, because I've also had many people say, if you need anything, you just let me know. And that's God too. Like the fact that you can have people to say, I'm here, whatever you need, because there are many people who don't have that, fortunately. And so, yes, I, I mean, there's so many ways that you're And do me. I just want to tell you God. for me, because mm-hmm. I've spent so much time in that space, I, I, I now am so grateful of how sensitive I am to the people around me who may yeah. be struggling financially. I would not, I don't think be as sensitive to that. Had I not known what it mm. feels like to be on the other to, side, to, to genuinely have a negative bank account, right? I know what that feels like to you. I, I, it's to this day, and I haven't had my card decline. I don't even know in how long. At least probably three or four years. To the it for three or four years. Every time I make a charge, I still I'm like, <gasps> I know there's money in there, and I still <laughs> yeah. like that trauma trigger of, yeah. Oh my goodness, is she gonna come back and say that there? That just sticks with you. And I mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be honest. Like I never thought I would say this. But several years later now, I'm grateful because I I guarantee you it's going to change the way I do ministry for the rest Mm -hmm. of my life. And that's why I'm saying who we are when it's not our turn is actually more important than who you will be when it is, because it changes how you see yourself in the world around you. And I hope it'll make you softer, Mm -hmm. not harder. I actually was reading in this book the other day about the stages, you know, like you, you hit the stage, like we were talking about, you get the job, the house, blah, blah, blah. But those are like snippets of life. Those are like two seconds. Like you've achieved the goal, then what? So I think what you're saying too, is like the weight is actually majority of the percentage of life, you know, the trials, like the struggles, those are probably most of what happens. And like, that's where that growth happens. That's where it needs to happen. So yeah, I really love the the reminder that it's something that needs to build character and it's not mm-hmm. something that we should even take lightly, you know, and it's even a privilege, dare I say, to be- We will never say that when we're in it, man. You're correct. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, you also talked about delayed gratification. Mm. And oh my goodness, I love that study that you had mentioned about the marshmallows, right? Talk to us a little bit more about how we struggle with that delayed gratification and what, how maybe we can like shift again, the view of delayed gratification. 
Yeah. I just, I, I, I think of it in terms of playing the long game. There are certain things that may bring pleasure in the short term, but I always ask myself, what is the long game here? And, and mm, I'm thinking specifically mm-hmm. for me, there are certain situations. I'm actually in one currently where it would feel really good to tell somebody what I really think of them right now. <laughs> yeah. It would feel really good. In fact, I, I would think it would be called like standing up for myself. But then mm. I think, okay, in the long term, in 10 years, I, I actually do these internal dialogues. Will you, will this still matter to you in 10 years? If so, mm-hmm. then it's probably worth addressing right now. If not, I'm going to, I'm going to smile and take it and walk away and just mm. know that I have my integrity with me. Yeah. Right. So like, how do you start looking at situations in the long term? Right. If, if it's that you're waiting on, um, let's, let, let's say you're waiting to, to fall in love again in the long term, if 10 years from now, you are happy in love and married. How will you, how will that version of yourself wish that you had handled this version right now? Mm. And how do you assume that role? Wow. I think that's part of what faith is, right? Is saying like, well, what are the things? And this is, again, I, I tell the story of Vimbo. She was um, my single friend who we, every time, I mean, that's what our main prayer over her life was yeah. praying for a partner. And she absolutely, I just remember like so many times she was like mad saying, this is, this is a joke. Like I'm so done with this. And even in the book, I told the story of how I told her to get a tie. Yes. And I said, just put the tie in your drawer. And I just like, just keep it as a symbol that I really believe God is going to bring you somebody who's going to one day wear that tie. Well, on her wedding, she, she did, this wouldn't be in the book. Cause this has been since at her wedding to that same person, she did bring the tie in her pocket yeah. and she shared. And can I tell you, this is, this is actually really, really important. I want to share this. Okay. So at the time there were so many times in the, and this is years in between when she bought the tie and when she actually found somebody, mm-hmm. I mean, probably, probably three or four years. Um, at the wedding, she tells the story to everybody there about the tie. And then at the reception, I give a little speech, just talking about our prayer journey together. So many people came up to us at this wedding, both of us saying, I not Christians just saying, I, something is something God is speaking to me here Mm. there. I've never been to a wedding where I felt this way. I, people on her groom side who have zero relationship with Christianity in the church were mm. moved. Wow. And I, her and I on her honeymoon, she calls me and she's <laughs> like, I just have to, like, I almost think she's like, I almost wonder was part of that weight just because it was really going to matter for like two people in David's family who are going to wow. hopefully have a relationship with God and be in heaven forever and ever and ever because of the testimony that they saw us live. You have no idea what God is bringing you into. You have no idea. But how do we live our lives right now? Truly believing I'm just going to choose to believe. And at this point in my life, I've seen it so many times. I know it's true. I may have feelings because you can't control yeah. your feelings, but I know that God wants what's best for me. I know it. He has proved it to me over and over. And I want to tell people listening, don't feel like you can't tell God to prove it to you. Mm. I say, I said to God, I have no faith. And I don't think faith is something we build. I think it's something God gives us through mm. experiences with him. Little by little by little, you take that experience where he does open the door and you just know this was a God thing. And you use that now in the present situation that I'm in. But there's, there is such a bigger picture that we are never aware of when we're zoomed all the way in on the page to like the single word. But what if we zoom all the way out? And what if there's an entire story here of our lives that's being written that perhaps is going to be a story that you tell over and over and over. Vimbo Mm -hmm. is going to tell this story till she dies. Yeah. (laughs) It's a beautiful story. It's one of my favorites. Um, My best friend and I were talking about doing the same thing too, (laughs) based on that. But you're speaking to me right now, Heather. You are speaking to me because at the last episode I recorded, I was in such a dark place. (laughs) And I was talking about the fact that I was in that place with God where I was like, we're done. Like, no, you know, you have just done all this thing to these things to me and like why why do these things keep happening like what like I can't just the faith I don't have it I don't have it and I think I'm also coming to that that 
belief that he has my best interest at heart. And I think I believe that. I'm starting to really believe that now. But yeah, like in those moments when it's it, you feel abandoned, because that's what I was talking about, feeling abandoned by God. I was scared to admit that because I didn't want to go all the way away from him. You know, something deep down in me that was like, no, you, you can't go. But I think there's also this thing like that God can't handle me telling him how I really mm-hmm. feel, you know? And so I came to the place where I, I just didn't have it physically, mentally, spiritually anymore. I said, I don't, I can't, like, I just don't have this. And God was there to speak to me through music, my friends, this book. And this was the only book I was reading. I said, I'm Mm. not going to read the Bible. Mm. I'm I'm done with that. And I read your book and that it, it was then that I read the part of surrender that I started crying because I felt like that's God. That was God telling me, that's all you got to do. Just surrender this to me and it'll be okay. You know, and that's kind of like the turnaround, honestly, that has me now in this place of like, okay, I know you, you have it figured out 10 years from now, I'm going to be in a better place. Like whether that is like whatever the goal is that's happened or whether that's just mentally and spiritually where I need to be, Mm -hmm, it's mm going to be better regardless. And I know this and I'm going to hold on to that and like do the zooming out. But here's how, you know, day, when I was having my card declined for my daughter's birthday on paper plates, Mm -hmm. was there any idea in my mind that that would be the chapter that I open the book? It's not your turn. That day was one day going to read and have this conversation with me telling me it's how she got through her different, no clue. Yeah. But would I have lived it all over again to hear you say that to me? Mm. Absolutely. And that's how I know he has our best yeah. interest at heart. And I'm telling you, one day you were going to sit across from somebody and you're going to say, I know exactly what you're going through. I understand. And here's how it worked for me. Mm. And that story that you tell them is how they're going to have enough faith to just keep going for a couple more months yeah. for themselves. And that's all we're called to do. Yeah. I think that's why I do the podcast because I am at a place where I have maybe 70 listeners, but I have people who do reach out to me and tell me, thank you for talking about this. Actually, my best friend reached out to me last night and said, I just want to say I caught up on the episodes thank you so much for doing this. Like, this is really helping me go through this time. And like, this is my best friend. So, you know, we probably could have had these same conversations maybe. Um, but, you know, it it was so meaningful to me. Yes. And I think you're right. Like, this is the point. And this is why I keep doing it, even though I don't always have the answers is because I know it's also not just going to benefit me, you know, because that's what it is. Like, our lives are not just for us. It's for other people. Um, the only way to survive this is for you to fully take in and receive that kind word as it comes in. If we brush past that, yeah. it becomes really hard. You have to sit in those moments where somebody says, this really helped me. And that's how now you can go do two more episodes. Yeah. Right. And then we hope somebody else writes that we, we have to take in the small wins. Mm-hmm. That's how we survive when it's not our turn. This is what I've learned. Mm-hmm. Little by little by little by little. It's it's going to be a day by day by day by day mm-hmm. by day experience. Yeah. Which that's that's something I was also curious about. Like the idea of accepting that it's not your turn. Is it something that is, you know, kind of like, okay, you accept it and now you're good? Or is it something that you have to do regularly like really you know remind yourself of you know for you and your experience how was that for you Mm. I think what's happened now is that I have better strategies in place than I did back then Mm. so do I still go through experiences where it's not my town of course you're that's never gonna stop but I I will say at this stage I have a better strategy I know what to do I know how to, and for me, a a huge thing is like just doing prayer walks. Mm. 
I will just go outside and walk around my block and talk out loud to God. I didn't do that. I don't think even when I was writing that book, that wasn't a part of my daily routine. Now that's daily for me. That's how I'm processing and metabolizing the emotions that I'm experiencing and also taking them to God. Right. Um, so that strategy for me has been very helpful. Now I can sit and talk to my husband. I don't have to just hold this in by myself. Yeah. I can tell my best friends, like I just have better strategies in place. So do you graduate? No, but do you have better strategies in place to navigate school? Yeah. Hmm. That's actually a really good example of what happens in those trials, right? Because I'm thinking again of my own experience where I actually had the conversation recently with someone about being in a relationship again. And I was saying, if I'm in a relationship again, I actually don't know what I will be like because I'm so different than how I was mm before. And I now, like I was so emotionally detached and disconnected when I was in my marriage, but I got divorced, but then I got therapy and I was doing that for three years. And now I know how to not disconnect from my emotions anymore. Yeah. So whenever I do get into another relationship, there's a good chance that I'm going to do things very differently because I now know things about myself. And these are things that just cannot happen yes. when you're not waiting, when you're not in the heart of the struggle. You know, I never, I mean, I'm not going to say I never would have gone to therapy before, but I never would have learned these things about myself. I mean, point blank, if I did not get divorced, just period. Mm. And so those are the things too, that when I think about myself today, like I thank God for those experiences because I am who I am today and I'm able to um, not just move forward with myself as a professional, you know, as a friend, as a daughter, as any role that I play in my life, like it's helped me in like in ways I can't even count, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So we talked a little bit about, you know, what we need to do during the wait. Well, how we need to handle the weight. What would you say to somebody who is going through this weight for years? Like in, and it's not happening still, you know, kind of like a bimbo where three, four or five years in it, nothing's happening. What do we, what do we say? I, I, I just think we have to have better understanding. And this is why I personally love scripture. We flip a page and we're like, look, it's over. And we don't realize that, mm. you know, there were, there were 17 years or so in yes. between for Moses, it's 40 years, 80 altogether, you yes. know? So it's like, mm-hmm. there's so much for Abraham. I mean, he's already waited 10 years by the time I think he has Ishmael, like the years. So I just think what you actually, I just tweeted this the other day that As I go through scripture, what I'm actually convicted of is that there's often a long time between the prayer and the promise. Mm -hmm. And that's normal. And it doesn't Mm. mean that anyone's doing anything wrong. And it doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. And it doesn't mean that it's not coming. Process is a part of life and it's natural. Mm -hmm. And I think... I just think that kind of is what it is. I think we should be more skeptical of instant gratification Mm. things. Yep. Normalize waiting. Actually, we're probably waiting. We're not probably. We are waiting way less than they were back then. Totally. Uh, Think about, just think about how everything (laughs) in our lives is set up to tell you it's supposed to be instant. Right. But that's not the story that again, for Christians, we should have a deeper understanding. That's not the story of scripture. Gee, I mean, alone, can we just like, do I talk about this in the book? I might. The fact that Jesus waits. Didn't I say that? I think I did. 30 something Jesus waits 30 years to preach his first God. That tells you that there is something. And I also find it very fascinating that they could have done it any which way. I'm talking about the Godhead. Mm-hmm. And yet even God goes through this process of like being born. Right. And then learning how to walk and learning mm-hmm. how to talk and then learning how to write, run. And then like there's this, there, there must be something to the process yeah. of life because God didn't skip it. Yeah. 
Wow. I love that. How do we show up for the people who have what we are waiting for? I I think we have to be honest with ourselves. right? About whether we can, like there might be a, it, it just, there's seasons to things. There yeah. might be a season where it is more healthy for you to unfollow those accounts that make you just feel so I'm a worse version of myself. It's bringing out all those negative traits I don't want. So mm-hmm. I just can't even see it right now. That's yeah. okay. For me, I, have, again, I I just have better strategies. Like now I know if I'm feeling jealous about something, the first thing I do is go by myself with the Lord and say, I I name it. I'm Mm. feeling really jealous about this. And then without the shame, why, what is, what is it about this person's success or this person's thing that's Mm -hmm. making you feel threatened? And once I name it and I'm able to understand it, offer compassion to myself. Then I ask God, help me to not feel that way towards this person. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Cause I know I can't like you, you can't bless me as I'm tearing somebody else down. Yeah. That's, that's his child. Yeah. Right. How do I live in a way where I'm again, soft toward myself, soft toward God and soft towards others. Yeah. It's okay. You're always going to have like an instantaneous thought. I don't think we can control our thoughts personally. Mm-hmm. Thoughts are just going to happen. But we choose what we allow to really then sit in and stew yeah. in. What yeah. do you do when the thought comes? Sometimes I'm telling you, just let it pass. It doesn't even mean anything. It doesn't even mean anything. It's a. It's just like your blood pumping. A thought yeah. dropped doesn't mean you haven't changed. Doesn't mean you haven't grown. Yeah. Let it go. Things can be so amazing once we remove judgment. Yes. Once we are we neutralize things that are actually very normal. Yes. We feel so much better about ourselves. Yes. You know, what do you do if this person is your best friend? Mm. Um, For me, I have to just remind myself of all the things that I genuinely love about that person for for everybody's different. For me, it was much harder if it was somebody I perceived to not deserve it. Mm. It's a lot easier for me if I'm like, well, they are great. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, of course they're getting these great things. (laughs) They are great. It's easier for me to accept. It was, I would get very stuck when I'm like, but they don't actually deserve it. Mm. Right. And Mm. I, you just have to, that's where I had to come to it does. It, well, maybe they force their way there. What business is that of yours? What God has called me to is to not force my way into anything, Yeah, but to trust yeah. what comes to me. Mm. Right. And so the, their journey is not my journey. Yep. And yep. if it's somebody who I love, who I think is great, how do I just clap for them? And if it's something I just want to be very clear, because in my mind, I can't remember if I write this in the book or not, but my sister went through a miscarriage. We were pregnant at the same time. Mm. She went through a miscarriage. That was a very painful thing for her, um, where she was unable to be there for me at all. And I understood that because I'm, I hope like just a self-aware human being who also loves my sister. So we didn't talk. There was a, a couple months in my pregnancy, even I, I remember when I found out the gender of my baby and I so wanted to tell my sister and I just didn't. Cause I was like, she would have been finding out the gender of her baby around that time. I don't want to even scratch that wound. So I just kind of waited till she felt comfortable bringing it up. We just mm. kind of did that walk together yeah, and respected each other's boundaries. I think that's okay. Mm. Can't we say to people, you know what? Like, I love you so much. I can't be in your wedding right now. Yeah, I can't. It's too painful for me, but I'm so happy for you. And I'm going to, I'm, I want to go and I want to support you, but I can't be in it right now. Yeah. I think most people understand these things when we're honest about them. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a recent situation with one of my friends where, um, you know, there was a potential to, you know, date and like be with someone and there was a lot of like fear I realized internally of like, how is this going to change the friendship and all Mm -hmm. these things. And I did it. I, I did the thing where like you, like I was like, let me sit and reflect on this. But then Mm -hmm. I I told her 
And we were able to have that kind of conversation of like, hey, I'm feeling this way. And she was able to hear me and say, I get it. Like the same thing. And it was so beautiful. And I think it was like that honestly was also like a next level, I think, that we reached in our friendship where we can be honest about something that, you know, there is a little bit of a shame about around like jealousy and yeah. fear. I think for me, it was a lot of fear of abandonment just because of my other things, but mm-hmm. you know, to be able to share that with someone and have them a not judge you and be like, get it and understand. And then act accordingly and say, okay, what do you need? Like, do you need for me to not tell you this or to keep certain information to myself, you know, cause even sometimes that's kind of hard to, for your, for me at least to say, okay, I can't hear this right now. Or, you know, maybe say this, but not this. So I think it's really beautiful when you can have these people in your life who are there for you in in that way that really matters and can understand and you know how beautiful that you were able to do that with your sister and I know she appreciated that so much and yeah I think we have to make space for people in the seasons that they're in yeah yeah well we are coming toward the end Heather but um what is I guess like your final word of what we do in our weight what can we tell the people to do during their weight so here's the entire point of the book Mm -hmm. it's always your turn Mm. just because it's not your turn in this one area i want you to write down listener five places that it is your turn and i want you to show up to those five that's what's in your hand right now How do we be really faithful with what's actually in our hand? How do we live as if it matters? How do we believe that our lives really matter? What if your life actually isn't on pause? Hmm. I know it feels like it. Yeah. But what if you're actually living your life? What if there are actually people in your circle who are dependent on how you show up to your life? How do we start engaging with what we do have instead of spending all our time looking at what we don't? I love that. Oh my goodness. I can't wait for everybody to hear this. Wow. Well, as we close out, I always do a segment called what God has taught me. Um, actually started this because my very, one of my therapists, she, as we were working together, she gave me a journal and she said, I want you every week to write down what God has taught you despite all the things that are going wrong. And so I incorporated it as a part of just me being grateful for things that I've learned throughout the week. And so what is something that God has taught you recently? I am in a season right now where I am walking through, um, a difficult experience for somebody else that I care about. And God is teaching me that other people don't have to, to go through things in the same way that I go through them. And that Mm. doesn't mean that they're failing in their season. Wow. God is teaching me how to make space for all the different ways that people I love may navigate a difficult situation. And how do I show up in the way that they need me to show up and not pass judgment? Like we talked about before Mm -hmm. on what things that maybe I think that they should be doing differently. So right now this week, that's what I'm learning. And I'm, I'm just, I love that God meets all of us individually. I'm making space for that, for God to be different. Hmm. for people that I care about and not love them any less. Wow. That is beautiful. Something that God has taught me recently. Actually, I started doing a study on waiting, a Bible study on waiting. And um, again, the book, you were talking about Moses. I started studying Moses. And so I'm at this part where um, they have, the Israelites have left Egypt now and they are about to journey into the wilderness. And something that I've learned is that right before God crosses the Red Sea, they are cornered. They literally Mm -hmm. have nowhere to go. And in their heads, it feels like there's absolutely no hope, you know? And I felt that in my own experience where I 
don't know what to look at anymore. Like I can literally not see a way of escape, but God does a miracle and he does a miracle in a time when there literally seems to be like no possible way out. And I think what it's reminding me of is like, God is always doing miracles Mm -hmm. and we can't see them because we're only seeing what's in front of us, but that doesn't mean that the miracle isn't waiting for us. Mm -hmm. So I'm holding on to that, especially in this time where I cannot see what God is doing, but I'm trusting that he is working the miracle. So um, thank you so much, Heather, for joining me on the podcast. I cannot tell you enough how grateful I am that you agreed to do this. And I just know, I mean, this has blessed me already. So I know it's going to bless everyone listening. Um, Everybody check Heather out on instagram right at heather thompson day check the book if you haven't already also she has another book um it's wait wait don't tell me i'll see you tomorrow i started reading it yes go check out the book check out heather and until next time